give us some men who know the truth. And who will declare the truth. And who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards. And who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I'm serious. children it is going to be a day getting closer and closer to my eternal goal of making either lou cry or just like quit the planet um <laughs> yeah we're, we're really on a roll <laughs> so we are here today to tell you that you don't get to make the rules Darn. yeah I, I know as as disappointing as that is in spite what whitney houston told you you are not the future, and the greatest love of all is not inside of you. <laughs> See, I, I am permanently scarred by that song because I learned and sang it for my kindergarten graduation. Like, wow. as a class, we sang that. and That's funny. Yeah, it's like five-year-olds sitting there belting out Whitney Houston tunes. We were probably awful. I mean, not that the song's really that good to begin with, but to this day, I can still sing it. 
Yeah, I know. It's one of those things that stick in your head. It's frightening. You yeah. don't want it to stick in my head. So anyway, what are we talking about? Well, to quote the great prophet's lifehouse, we're talking about you and me and all of the people. All of the people. <laughs> you know, hey, did you remember that one? That's late 90s, early, early 2000s. Because there's you and me. And all of the people and nothing definitely. to do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. In my off-tune, look up Lifehouse, you'll notice. It was, it was one of those love songs everybody had to play at their wedding circa 2002. Right, right. So there you go. So we're talking about us. So you want to define a person. What Bible book should you go to? Because I think there's an obvious answer here. Uh, you go to the beginning. <laughs> yes, in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So Genesis yep. chapter 1. Then God said... Actually, hold on. That's not fair. That's verse 26. We can't just do that. Mm-hmm. So we've had, what, five days of creation. We're on day six. We've made the land, the sea, the sky, the planets, the stars, the moon, the sun. We've made birds. We've made fish. We've made dry ground. We've made shrubbery. We've made everything. We've made critters. Things that walk and things that crawl. You name it, it's running around out there. There is one thing at this stage that is missing. There's it's, there's none of those two-legged critters with you know with with big uh-huh. brains and opposable thumbs. So yeah, we we need those things. Hey, it's what it's what separates us from the animal. Didn't you learn that in, in elementary school? I guess so. We have opposable thumbs. That, yep. That's the defining characteristic. <laughs> really, that's what makes us unique. So it makes you better than the parrot. We can teach the parrot to talk, but the parrot doesn't have thumbs. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's gonna Par- be- parrots are very impressionable too it's gonna be one of those days <laughs> it's gonna be one of those days then god said let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them god blessed them and said to them be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Dun, dun, dun. Beautiful beginning. Mm-hmm. And God saw it and it was good and it was evening and morning and it was the sixth day. So, obvious things. Like, this is this is not going to take long because this is this is just blatantly obvious, or at least it should be. Should and, be. Well, it should be, but you're, you're ready for the worst part about this? Let me have it. It's not. Oh, man. It's not. Right. The world has done bumped its head and lost its mind. So simple, basic truths have apparently been thrown out the window. So before we look at the insanity of humanity, see, I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. <laughs> there you keep rhyming. That's awesome. It's either Dr. Shush, Dr. Shush apparently I'm Scottish now, or William Shakespeare Day. All right. Maybe that's why it's Shush. It's it's, it's the modern day Shakespeare with Doctor Shush. <laughs> I'm Sean Connery. No, <laughs> I am the last one. No. So let's go back here. Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. All right, you ready? We have two options here. You can go with the hoity-toity. You you read your books with your pinky up. Okay. And these plurals are what is known as the royal, royal we. Mm-hmm. I, I just I, I love that it's referred to as that because every time a seminary professor tells me it's the royal we, I'm like, what does British kings in the bathrooms have to do with anything? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never understood why that's important. But, yeah, apparently there is the plural of majesty is the more technical way to put it, which that just really makes you sound pretentious when you're there talking. There really are a lot of ideas about this, like uh, the divine council, yeah. you know, yeah, stuff the, the, like that. Yeah, the council of the gods. But that's a little bit on the on the fringe end of it. As far as mainstream midline theology goes, I think we can settle in on two options. The the mag the majesty of plural here, or the plural of majesty. So you're a you are the sovereign ruler of a land. You get to be referred to in the plural because you are just so stinking important. So there's that idea. Mm -hmm. The other one is this is a seed sowing for the concept of the Trinity. Yeah. Which is an implied doctrine, admittedly, but I think it's an implied doctrine that has obvious biblical support. Mm -hmm. And. <clears throat> While we do not have an abrogation in Scripture, we do have a progressive revelation in Scripture. We have the continued... Okay, you ready here? You ready for bad analogies with Michael time? Let's do it. All right. Reading your Bible from beginning to end, reading it in a chronological manner, as in how the revelation was handed down, is kind of like looking through a pair of smudgy, oily, greasy binoculars while someone polishes them. That's, that's quite a picture you're painting. So you like imagine like you're looking through the telescope on one end and the lens is all fogged up and oiled up and greased up because, you know, like the school group just went through there and all the grubby little nine-year-olds touched it and put their fingerprints on it. Yep. And so you're looking through that. What can you see? Eh, I can see some stuff, but what does it look like? Well, it looks like I'm looking through an oil slick here. Mm -hmm. Now imagine while you're doing that that someone's using a rag and slowly polishing that. As he's doing that work, so he wipes it one time and pulls the rag away. It's a little bit better, right? Right. Now it's smudgy and smeary, but I can kind of make stuff out between the smears. And then he keeps wiping, and it's a little bit clearer, and it's a little bit clearer, and eventually he's going to get the Windex out. He's going to spray it one good time, and woo! And now I can see things. Right. And Jesus is the Windex. <laughs> There's a T-shirt for you right there. Wow. I've never thought about it like that. Jesus is the God Windex. In this analogy, Jesus is the Windex. Okay. He is the full revelation where the Father and the, the doctrines and understandings of God are fully revealed. The lens is clear and you can see perfectly. But that's what reading your Bible is in progressive revelation, is you can see pictures and shadows and types of things in the beginning that are fully revealed as time goes by. Right, and, and then are fully revealed in Christ. Right, and then there's, you know, like Paul was talking about, we see through a, a lens dimly, mm -hmm. and we don't understand it rightly on this side of the resurrection, but we will. And that's part of this. So, yeah. when, so I think there's a lot to this when you see the plurals here in Genesis 1 of saying, this is the beginning of the smudge. <laughs> this is you looking through the smudge. This is the created trying to understand the creator, and the creator condescending to give us a picture moving forward. Right, trying to understand this infinite being and the way that he's expressing himself and our finite with our finite understanding of, of the things around us. And I think that's also one of the reasons why I don't automatically throw out the uh, plural of majesty because I think you see things in the secular and in the temporal right. mirroring things in the sacred and in the eternal. So you see this concept of, no, a sovereign should be honored. He should be spoken about differently. Oh, look, we have a king. We should talk about him differently than we talk about us. That's a, that's a picture. It's mm -hmm. not a one-to-one -one drawing of this is what Jesus looks like, but it's an understanding that, no, you view authority differently than you view equality. Sure. And that's something that flows out of being a humanity that is created in the image of God and created to worship God. 
That's a, that's a picture of that being disordered, but a picture of what that looks like in the world. <clears throat> so, God is making us in his image. Now, this is something we have talked about before. Lord knows when we did it, so you'll have to comb through the, uh, the listings of everything. But if I had to bet, it was back when we were doing our initial doctrinal rundowns and probably talking about humanity. So this goes way back Yeah, with a our systematic theology, yes. our doctrine of man. When we were going through the doctrine of humanity, we talked about this. So we will not try to go through this in a super in-depth. Go read, go listen to that. It'll do you some good. Or read a book. That'll do you good, too. Um, <clears throat> when we talk about humanity made in the image of God, that does not mean that God looks like you. For sure. It does mean, however, that you look like God. Now, since every human being, with the exception of, like, British royalty, doesn't look like any other human being, because British royalty just looks like they're themselves because it's just way too much inbreeding going on there. But anyway, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> Look, you explain to me how the same family that was Scottish, then was English, then was German, and now they're English again. And are the same family line. You make sense of that. Yeah. Without, you know, the family shrub having, like, weeds that go in circles. Right. <laughs> yeah, they got to keep the royalty in the family, I guess. Well, and after a while, you run out of royalty. Mm -hmm. Especially when you, when you realize, like, when you get to, like, 17th, 18th, 19th century Europe, you start realizing things like, um, like the Spanish king was a Habsburg, and the Belgian king was a Habsburg, and the Austrian king was a Habsburg. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow, I guess I never drew those connections. <laughs> and just like, um, guys... <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it in the family. Yeah, I mean, seriously, what's what's going on here? I, I have questions. <laughs> so, I mean, it wasn't unusual, you know, not that long ago, even still marrying first cousins and all sorts of things. So, anyway, mm -hmm. so outside of European royalty, you don't look like anybody else. So when we say you look like God, that does not mean in your physical appearances, the way you walk, the way you stand. Opposable thumbs are not the defining characteristic of being made in God's image. Although Jesus did have opposable thumbs, but that's not what that's about. <laughs> we represent God in how we are supposed to live. Right. We are supposed to be, and that's part of the dominion here in the mandate, <clears throat> Excuse me. is as we live, we are to demonstrate the ruling, loving, merciful, judgment, all of those things, the sovereign aspects of God, the attributes of God inhumanity being exercised according to who God is, what he has commanded, in a way that honors him and rules over what he has given us rightly. That's being made in the image of God. How you understand your marriage, how you understand your relationship to the world, how you understand your stewardship of your possessions and your life and all the things that you have is part of your image of God. It's an exercising of the attributes that God has deigned to present to you. Right. So that you are showing who he is and what he has done. Right. I think that's one one of the reasons why we, as a people, should look at the scriptures and understand them rightly, and that they are a divine revelation of that helps us understand what the image of God is supposed to look like and who we are. And and I think all too often today we look at the scriptures and we don't recognize them as being theonostas or God breathed, and and merely. Um, maybe fairy tales or, or things like that. Um, and that's why we don't place enough weight on what we read and, and we don't try to apply it to our lives because we think they're fairy tales. And, and the reason why this becomes important, 
So let's let's borrow let's let's expand out this idea of the attributes and the um, oh shoot my brain does not want to work I can't compose a sentence all of a sudden <laughs> being made in the image I kind of derailed you it, no it's not your fault no yeah. because what ha- what you're what you're showing is the cognitive dissonance of the pagan mind right remember you're you're either in the kingdom or you're out of the kingdom you're either Christian or pagan there's not another category even pagan society is operating in the image and likeness of God right even pagan societies have rules. They have regulations about how you live and things you can do. They have understandings of authority and how you interact with it. This is part of being made in the image of God. This is part of stewarding and exercising dominion in your realm. I mean, again, again, I've I've said this before that, you know, don't give me the tribe on, you know, the backside of Timbuk9 that, you know, doesn't, they don't do it like that. Without, nearly without exception, humanity has innately understood, you know what? You shouldn't kill other people. Right. Yeah, there are some absolutes. You know, you you know, it's it's probably not a good idea to go around, you know, like just gang raping women. That's a bad thing. It 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 harms our society when you steal from other people. So we we criminalize that. Now again, could you find me like one society somewhere that's like, well you didn't have a problem with that? Probably, and I don't care. Almost without exception, this is a standard for humanity. Mm-hmm. In other words, a living out of community based upon a concept of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, why I, when the atheist looks at you and says, I don't need God to be moral. I agree with your statement in principle. You do not need religion to be moral because God has already innately put that law upon your heart. Yeah. You do need religion to have a basis for your morality, and there's a difference between those two things. That's a good point. <clears throat> you can do good things without having religion. Right, and some people... You're doing them innately because the religion that you're rejecting is what you're actually living out but that's not the point i I think you know over the years the centuries that our influence on society as a whole has had some good effects even Mm -hmm. on people who reject the knowledge of god they still borrow from our worldview always well again even pagan societies don't murder don't steal Mm -hmm. you know don't condone adultery things like that Uh, my favorite is the difference, and this is always one of those those fun little history uh, nuggets, but you know that um, Hindu India, mm-hmm. which Indian now is not the India of 200 years ago. For sure. Because the Indian now has Hindu and Buddhist and Christian and also a large Muslim influence in India, depending on what part of India you're in. But if you rewind a few centuries, most of India was guided by a Hindu influence large part of that system was their widow immolation. Yeah, that was terrible. So, you know, you die, they take you down to the river, which I'll never understand why they, they like, do their laundry, drop their waste, do their funerals, and get their drinking water all from the same thing. <laughs> never understand why anybody thought that was a good idea. It's crazy. It, like, in some parts, still the same concept. Oh, I know. Yeah, I did some research on it's, that, too. It's, it's frightening. But yep. anyway... So they would take you down, put you on the funeral pyre, and then take your widow and be like, well, she's kind of useless now, so throw her in with the kindling and woohoo! Do you know what stopped that? Those evil colonizers, the British. Right. With a Christian worldview came in and went, no. Yeah, this was not okay. No, this is not okay. This is, no. And they stopped it at the end of a gun. And it was just, no, you're not doing this anymore. Mm that's a blessing to a community that's a right understanding of protection and sovereignty and authority under god as opposed to the yeah we're done with her burner <laughs> which which leads me to my next point that while yes 
there are innate rights and wrongs, a culture left to its own devices long enough will begin to devolve in such a way that it will challenge fundamental moral standing. Yeah, yeah, for it sure. It will challenge baseline things. Widow immolation in Hinduism is a good example. Yeah. Because you're sitting there going, we probably shouldn't kill people, but, you know, we don't really have a system set up and she's not really worth anything to the society, so, you know, okay, here we go. Now just realize how far down the line you have to get to where the peace-loving Hindu is like, you know what, we can, we can burn this lady. That's, I'm, I'm good with that plan. That's a darkness and a hardness of heart that is accomplished through the centuries of darkness. Right. Just hardening over time, rejecting a little bit of this, rejecting a little bit of that, rejecting a little bit more until you get to the place where fundamental things begin to become rejected. Okay. Why do I make that point? Because what should be obvious in this Genesis text is male and female, he created them. Because of the fall, there are exceptions to everything. So, we talk about humanity. Humanity exists, and nature really exists in a binary. Right. You got the hims and the hers. Now, again, you could probably find me some worm or something that reproduces asexually. I don't care. Right. There's I, always those yeah, people don't, that don't try give to do that. that. Yeah. That's now, so are there not necessary? To, are there genetic yeah malformations of course. that cause intersex and yeah, chromosomal problems. Yes. Yeah. Once again, that is a product of the fall. With sin coming in, sin corrupts everything. It's one of the reasons why you see the ages in Scripture begin to take a nosedive as Genesis as the primeval historical portion of Genesis concludes. So you go from Genesis... What? My brain stopped. Um, you go from Genesis 5... By the time you get to Abraham, Genesis 11, those ages are nosediving and continue to nosedive until you get to really at the end of Exodus. Right. And I think it's a good point because a lot of people, <clears throat> when they see when they see things like that, they tend to they, they tend to think that well, God made me this way, so it's good. And and it's not that wasn't the original intention. God made things, and He said it was good. But after the fall, things started to degrade, like you're describing. And, and, that, and here we are today. And that's what happens. So that binary that is supposed to exist, right. while it still exists in 99.9% .9 of cases, because of sin, because of the fall, there are places where it is corrupted, where humanity is degraded, and it is being torn down. So we're not talking about that. Right. If you have to try to deal with everything in the minuscule percentages, then you're never going to get anything done. Right. That's why I say you can, you can basically look at humanity down through the ages and say all societies have said murder is wrong. Could you find me the exceptions? Yes. Do you live life in the exceptions? No. Right. The argument I used to give people all the time is people, you'll make a point or you make a case or something, and someone will go, well, what if I can't live in what-if land? Yeah, that's a gray area. Everybody's trying to find that gray area. If and I have to live in right. what-if land, we're never going to get anything done. Right. Well, what if I find a unicorn on the way home and I can ride him to the moon? Do, do I plan on that? No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it depends on what you're smoking today, but but you see what I'm getting at, right? I mean, I can, I can what it's not if reality? Yeah, I can what if anything. Let's deal with what is, not what if. There it is. So deal with reality. With that reality in mind, mm -hmm. the who, mm -hmm. and I don't mean the band. That would be I'm more so fun. Hoping. I know you wanted some, you wanted some Keith Moon solos going on here. But <laughs> <laughs> that is where uh, Keith, Keith Moon the Who. Wasn't he the drummer for the Who? 
Oh, I'm forgetting the name. Oh, that's going to drive me nuts. I swear. And now somebody's going to like send me an email. Like, what is wrong with you? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't mean that who. I mean the bad who. Yeah. Is there a good Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Maybe I know. The, the world. Eh. The World Health Organization. Hmm. I found this in an article that I then nuked, and I went straight to the World Health Organization's website, which is where this comes from. Okay. So this is no commentary. The only commentary, and this is going to come from us. Okay. This is just straight from the WHO. The gender mainstreaming for health managers. A practical approach manual addresses how gender norms, roles, and relations affect health-related behaviors and outcomes as well as health sector responses. Okay. Yeah. I have heard some word salad in my day. Yeah. This should come with a vinaigrette. Right. Okay. Right. Gender mainstreaming for health managers. So what they're trying to create is a centralized theme and guidebook so that health managers, hospitals, doctors' offices, things like that, uh, um, not crisis centers, like the, what are they called? Urgent care. Urgent care facilities, yeah. All of these health managers, you know, nutrition people, cancer screenings, all of these things, that they have a consistent stream that they can hop in and know what's the in lingo what's the out lingo how do we deal with these things mm-hmm. okay right right that's what this means the gender mainstreaming for health managers they want a single flow of information which in their defense is an admirable thing you want everybody on the same page right so i have no problems with that a practical approach manual addresses how gender norms roles and relationships affect health related behaviors and outcomes as well as health sector responses okay Okay, how you think about gender should not affect my health-related behaviors and outcomes. Right. What you should think, not. What but you think about gender not yeah. should not affect my health outcomes. Yeah. They're, if trying it does, to change, they're trying to change that, though. That's what we're getting at here. If it does, we have big problems. Certainly. <clears throat> because if I show up at the doctor and tell you I'm a 41-year-old male, and you go, well, is it possible you're a 32-year-old female? No. But it might be. So let's just cover that just in case. Ooh, funny story. Uh. <laughs> this is a good example of this. The other day, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's something I ate, something I did wrong at the gym. But I just had this shooting pain on my left side. Okay. Below my stomach. So I'm thinking it was just intestinal, some cramping. Something didn't agree with me, and it was trying to figure itself out. Mm-hmm. But it was very, very uncomfortable. I mean, it would hit, and it's kind of like, ooh, I can't. Like, you have to sit up straight and twist away from it. And I, Lou can see what I'm doing. So, But you know what I'm talking about when you have that pain and you you stiffen your spine and you try to sit up straight like you're in the Marine Corps and then you, you kind of lean away from the side where the pain is to try to get it to, to not be compressed because it hurts and you're trying to get away from your own body. Right. So I was doing that. <clears throat> and it was kind of coming and going and stabbing and cramping. And it was just very uncomfortable. And Cameron every once in a while would look at me and go, well, what is that? And I'm like, I don't know. And I'm trying to describe it. And as I'm describing the pain, she goes... That sounds like what was hurting on me the last time, you know, I had all my health problems. She goes, when it happened to me, it was my ovaries. So did she offer you some Midol? Well, no. My response was, (laughs) I don't think it's my ovaries. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Why would you say that? (laughs) I know, because I'm a terrible person. This is is what my wife has to live with. She's like, well, last time that happened to me, it was my ovaries. Well. I don't think it's my ovaries. So, I mean, I mean, I could be wrong. You know, maybe they're flaring up. I guess up. the minute you lose your personality, <laughs> then I guess we know we've got problems. So I guess that was a good sign for her. I mean, uh, 
but that's that's important though because if I go to a doctor and they're trying to mainline gender norms, I don't need a doctor examining my left side wondering if my ovaries are hurt. I don't have any. That's not going to do us any good. That's a problem. Well, and I think, man, that you know, I can't remember the guy's name that brought that out. That oh, he's pretty popular now. I think he's from uh, Canada. Anyway, <laughs> he says if you wind up in the emergency room because they're asking him to find a female for me, mm-hmm. you know, and he says, but if you in, if you wind up in an emergency room and you've got problems, you're going to tell them who and what what you are. You would think that. Yeah, because how they treat you is going to depend on. And it shouldn't depend on cultural norms. It should, you know, it should depend on, bio- on reality. Biology, reality, I mean? yes. So <clears throat> that is an important distinction, and I think we're losing sight of that because we're in fantasy land now with all of these new things that they're trying to define as normal. And that's going to continue. At the same time, it recognizes, or back to the man, the manual. At the same time, it recognizes that gender inequality is a cross-cutting determinant of health that operates in conjunction with other forms of discrimination based on factors such as age, socioeconomic status, ethnicity, or place of origin, and sexual orientation. The manual provides a basis for addressing other forms of health-related discrimination. Just because one group has more healthcare interactions than another does not mean there's discrimination. It might mean that there's discrimination, but it does not guarantee that there is. Right. So, the first edition of the manual dates from 2011, and WHO is now updating it in light of new scientific evidence and conceptual progress on gender, health, and development. So there's new scientific evidence. See, See right? they like to throw these words around. But there's really nothing new under the sun. They haven't... Do you know what the new evidence is? It's the conceptual progress. In other words, how we perceive things has changed. Therefore, that's what conceptual progress means. Right. It means I think differently about how I perceive the world now than I used to. That's but there's f- no, that's not science, though. I agree, but yeah. that's frightening. Yeah. Ye be like God mm-hmm. is what that is. The review and update process will build on the extensive work already featured in the manual. It will focus on updating key concepts around gender. I'm scared. (laughs) I'm scared. Mm -hmm. Highlighting and expanding on the concept of intersectionality. Uh, Here we go. Which looks at how gender power dynamics interact with other hierarchies of privilege or disadvantage, resulting in inequality and differential health outcomes for different people. Yeah. Officially drank the Kool-Aid. Intersecting factors include sex, ethnicity, race, age, class, socioeconomic status, religion, language, geographical location, disability status, migration status, gender identity and expression, sexual orientation, and political situation. Intersectionality. Wow. That... This whole thing, this whole paragraph is really crazy. Almost none of those things have anything to do with my health outcome. Right. Or my health behaviors. This is... Well, they're mixing things, you know. Um, There might be some things, you know, you're sex, you're a male, you don't have ovaries. I get that, that. but that's not a change in my health behavior. You know, right. Right. And it shouldn't be a change in my health outcome. And it shouldn't require a 500-page manual from the World Health Organization to determine that. Well, they're trying to change the narrative here. So if I'm a, um, so if I'm a rich communist, do I get better health outcomes than if I'm a poor capitalist? 
Yeah. What if right. I'm a, what if I'm a um my my what if I'm a middle class libertarian? Am I better off than if I'm a middle class communist? Because that's my political affiliate, my political situation. Maybe they mean like I'm a prisoner of war. That's a political situation. Therefore, I'll get a lower health outcome than non-prisoners of war. Yeah. What if I'm Klingon? <laughs> I like how for a second you thought about that. <laughs> yeah, I was picturing. Yeah, I was a big Trekkie fan for a while. I, mean, I don't think those are the aliens they're talking about with the migration status. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, <clears throat> this is where it gets good. Going beyond binary approaches to gender and health to recognize gender and sexual diversity or the concepts that gender identity exists on a continuum and that sex is not limited to male and female. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, we... <laughs> Lou's got this look on his face. Stop the world, I want to get off. Yeah, this ride is really yeah. making me sick. Uh, wow. You wonder why the intro is what it is. It, yeah. yeah this. <laughs> what is wrong with you people? I'm serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm start praying to Smod. <laughs> yeah. The sweet meteor Odef. I mean, introducing new gender equity and human rights frameworks and tools to further support capacity building around these concepts and the integration of their approach of their approaches in the work of who. In other words, when when you see recommendations from the World Health Organization, recognize that from this point forward, they are going to be based on what is the most intersectionally affirming outcome we can give you. That is no longer based on health. That is no longer based on science because it is no longer based on reality. And health and science require a foundation in reality. Just as earlier, can you be moral? without understanding who God is and what he requires of you in a in an active sense. Sure. Yes. Do you have a basis for that morality without understanding those things? No. No, no I agree with that too. Can you do scientific inquiry, experimentation, and work without an under, an active understanding of who God is and what he requires? I would, I would say the answer is yes. Yeah, 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 it's definitely. Can you do those things without God providing the basis for those things? No, I mean, no. well, the scientific method was it's something that is dependent upon God. But I, 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 my point is, is that Christians develop that. And as, as, as well, much as they want to scream and holler about it today, that's not debatable. But just as but my, my point is, just as the atheist can look at you and say, well, I don't kill people, and I don't steal from people, and I don't sleep with my neighbor's wife. Right. And you would go, okay, those are societally moral behaviors. Right. You don't understand what the basis for those behaviors are, but you still do them because you are made in the image of God, and you are operating according to that innate function. Yes. And to not operate in that innate function, you recognize would be a violation of what it means to be human. Likewise, you do science, observable, repeatable, testable, making observations, trusting that there are universal constants in this world you can do that without understanding that it is god who provides those universal constants agreed but you cannot do them if you are rejecting those universal constants right in other words okay so you you cannot do you cannot perform science without understanding that there are universal 
norms and constants. Gravity didn't go anywhere. Right. Right. So if you deny that gravity exists, you, you know, it's not going to do you any good to deny it. Because it still does. It still does. You right. are performing science because you are still operating as the Imago Dei. You are still operating in a universe run and ordered by God. What you are going to start to see, Christian, the reason why, as I smack my microphone, sorry, the reason you're going, the reason I worry about this and bring you this story is because you're starting to see a world that has lived in the darkness for so long that it doesn't have the penumbras anymore. It doesn't have the shadows of where the light used to be. So they are trying to still do the same science that requires an understanding of constant and foundation. But they are trying to do them without the constant and the foundation. They're going to fail. Agreed. Yeah. But how many people are they going to kill in the meantime? Yeah, that's your point. I think that's the, the, the Well, agenda. I don't think it's the point, believe it or not. I, I do. I think they I, want I, to reduce the population of the well, planet. But uh, I think this is just the beginning of the... It's just, it's just people who are lost and in the dark trying to lead other people who are lost and in the dark. And yeah, they're, they're, fa and they're fall falling into, into a ditch. Into and, that's, a ditch. and that's my point. Yeah. What you're seeing, and this is, again, why understanding your foundations, what you believe, why you believe it, and why that matters in your world is so important is because you are no longer encountering a world that has the veneer of Christianity, something we've talked about before, mm -hmm. that <clears throat> post-Christian society. There yeah. was a veneer of Christianity in Western civilization yeah. where you understood that the culture had an understanding of God. And even if you rejected that understanding, you still understood it existed. You're now seeing that so far cast aside that you're on multiple generations of air quotes scientists and leaders who have rejected the truth for so long that they no longer have even the shaky foundation that their pagan worldview was built upon so we're going to start making health recommendations and we're going to start mainstreaming our understandings of health outcomes and behaviors based upon a lie i wonder how that really is going to look like if you walk into a facility they're gonna they're gonna seriously make sure my ovaries aren't hurt is but as is the only thing i can come up i, with. I don't know how it plays out you know they, there's just you're either well, biologically male out. or female this, and that's that this happened oh I, I i just thought about it so i didn't think to look for it earlier it's been a few months it might have been a year ago now because time starts smushing as you as you run along with it but there was a um and i don't remember which way it went but there was a person, I think it was in England, who went to the emergency room. And they were a man living as a woman or a woman living as a man. And because of that, in the hospital marking on the chart the gender identity and not the actual gender, there was – it was a woman living as a man because the problem was in, like, the uterus or in the ovaries or something like that. And they weren't checking for that. Because they thought, based on the chart, that they were looking at a man. Oh, and so something bad happened and the person died? I would say the person something? died or there was a major, major problem that could have been avoided. And I don't remember, I don't remember the outcome, but yeah. it was like ovarian, a ruptured ovarian cyst or something like that. Don't, do not quote me on any of this. Yeah, yeah. But they weren't looking for that because they thought according to the chart. Because it was one of those, the person came into the ER and like the person on call 
did all the stuff and triaged it and put it into the system. And then the doctor hadn't done a physical exam yet, but he's looking at all the blood markers and he's reading the chart and he's like, we got a 35-year-old man, what's causing all of this? All right, run this test, run this test, run this test. And they're not finding anything because they're running tests for a 35-year-old man when they actually have a 35-year-old woman. And the nurses on the floor know it's a woman, but you know how doctors and hospitals and charts get flying around? Yeah. That's what it looks like. That's why I said they're going to kill people. Yeah. They're honest to goodness going to kill people because yeah. you can't reject reality and then be surprised when reality kicks you in the face. Yeah. Don't do stupid things. Yeah, I think it's what you keep saying. Stupid, don't you know, do it, dumb things. Yeah. You see the dumb thing, don't do it. Yeah. My point is they're going to do this yep. because they have hardened their heart, they have darkened their eyes, they have given hearty approval to those who do the same for so long that there's no longer the hint of the light. So what I mean by that is Go into a room. Fun experiment for yourself. <clears throat> Go into a room, turn the lights on, okay, and then close all the curtains so there's no other light coming in, okay? Close the doors, close the curtains. Turn the light on and look at it, okay? Not long enough like you hurt yourself. Don't, like, stare at the sun or something. But look at the light in the ceiling for a minute. Then close your eyes and turn the light off. And you know what you'll see? You'll still see that. You'll see the shadow of the light where it right. used to be. That's what I'm talking about when I say the penumbras. <laughs> yep. You'll see. Now, keep your eyes closed and sit in that dark room long enough, and what will happen? You won't see it anymore. It'll slowly fade away. You'll, you'll actually be able to track it in your field of vision. It'll almost be like it's dancing around. Mm -hmm. That's not the light moving around in your eyes. That's actually your eyes behind your eyelids dancing, trying to find the source of the light because your eyes are convinced that there's something out there, and so you're, that's why it looks like it's bouncing around. Wow. I know. Yeah. We, I know weird things. Don't ask me why. Right. I know these right. I've, things. I've actually there have actually been like somebody will post a picture online and they'll tell you to do the same thing: stare at it for X amount of time and then look away. Yeah, and you'll still see and you'll the, steal the, the outline of the image. The outline of the image, right? That's the culture right now. Right. They have lived in a world where the light was shining, and they recognized that the light was there. They didn't know where it came from. They didn't know why it was there, but they recognized that it was there. Right. That there was male, there was female, there was up, there was down, there was left and right. Now, they've closed their eyes, turned the light off, and they don't recognize the truth. And what you're seeing now is you're at the stage where that shadow is fading away. And they're to the point now where they don't see it anymore. Right. And they're going to keep rejecting it, which is why, Christian, it is very, very important that you remember who you are why you are and why that matters in your world because you're going to have to deal with a world that doesn't have a category for these things that is not based in reality and is based on the intersectional understanding of sex ethnicity race age class socioeconomic status religion language geographical location disability status migration status gender identity and expression sexual orientation and political situation and they're going to take all of those things into account and try to figure out why your side hurts and try to figure out why you're losing weight even though you're eating and trying to figure out you know why you can't breathe they're going to try to take all of those things into consideration because they don't have a foundation in god and the cure for that christian is going to be you living in the light and shining the light right i was just going to say let's 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 focus on the antidote to this disease you, well, this you poison, I guess, of our society. This is why I say you can't change that mind. Right. You're standing in the hallway, flickering the light off and on, going, look, look, there's light out here. 
They're in the room, the curtains are closed, the door is shut, and their eyes are blindfolded. Right. You, you have to be in the room or you have to get them out of that darkness. You can't just go into the darkness and go, there's light in the hallway, guys. You need to come out into the hallway. You need to get into the room and figure out a way to turn the light on. Now, I don't know what that looks like in your world. I don't. All right. But it does look like... Well, I think we need to disciple our children. Agreed. I think we need to uh, participate in a congregation of faith and, and do it consistently and, and, and try, try to be that light. But it's also going to look like things we're not really comfortable with. It's going to look like going to a doctor and hearing this insanity and going, no. I don't care whose chart you put that on. You're not putting that garbage on my chart. Right, for and sure. If, and if they insist, you know what? It's time to find another doctor. Another doctor. Yeah. It's time to find one that's actually based in reality. It's going to look like doctors and nurses and all of these people that you have to deal with on basis. And you looking at them going, we're not doing this, are we? Because this is dumb. We don't do dumb things. Right. We have been really, really nice in this culture. It's time to point a gun and say you're not burning that woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to take a stand for sure. Because we know what the truth is. Mm-hmm. To make all of our bad analogies come back together, we have the Windex applied to our lenses. <laughs> we see things rightly. And, but, but that means we're going to have to actually stand on that rightly and proclaim it. Right. And that means we have to proclaim it in areas we otherwise would have let it go. The world isn't going to let you sit there and be neutral anymore because the darkness does not ignore the light and allow you to sit over there. The darkness tries to consume the light. The hope for it, Christian, they can't. They can't and they never will. So keep shining, but be be prepared. This is what it looks like in a lost and dying world to have an answer for the hope that lies within you. Know who you are, know why you are, and what that means in your world. Anything else? No, that's, that's good stuff. So what have we learned here today, children? Evil hates clarity. (laughs) That's good. God's word provides clarity. And nothing sacred will be allowed to stand by sin. They're going to come for everything because they can't help themselves. They're going to keep pursuing it. Christian, stand firm. Hold the line. Be faithful. And until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.